0: Let's do a primer tonight on faith. Faith is a good thing to go over periodically. We need to discuss our faith. And we need to talk about that. Let's talk a little bit about faith. I have a context verse to focus our discussion time on tonight. And it's in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Here we go. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now that's New King James Version. Let me read it in the New Living Translation, the NLT. I like this. It says, Let your roots grow down into Him, and your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, And you will overflow with thankfulness. That's pretty cool. I like the way that that does. Sometimes it's neat to have a couple of translations. All right, so understanding faith. You know, there's some things that are easier to understand in our Christian walk than others. What about love? Love seems to be pretty easy to understand most of the time. Now, I'm not talking about butterflies in your stomach I couldn't eat after I met her love. I'm talking about the other kind of love, agape love. You know, love is a choice. It's an act of the will to love people. And a lot of times we have to love people that are unlovely. Don't raise your hand. But many times I'm the unlovely one in my family. I have come to find that to be true. And Karen has had to work to love me. But love is understandable. What about hope? What's hope? I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not used to preaching like this. I'm used to a Sunday school class, and they actually talk back to me. So help the preacher boy tonight. And you can talk back to me tonight. It's okay. What is hope? It's an expectation that something's going to happen or something. You're hoping that this will happen. I hope. Hope's kind of easy to understand. It's a little more nebulous than, than love. But hope's understandable. We all have hopes. You know? I hope I get through this message tonight. There's hope. We hope we have all kinds of good things happen to us. Take that just a step farther All these three things abide. Faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest is love. What about faith? Since we're going to talk about faith tonight, let's start with the fact that it's it's a little bit hard to understand. Well, George, it's a lot like hope. It is. It's true. It's a lot like hope. What is faith? Oh man, that's good, Brad. It's forsaking everything and trusting God. So the writer of Hebrews said it like this. He said, so faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's the substance of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for is the evidence of things not seen. So if you have a hope, the substance of what you're hoping for, what builds up your hope and gives your hope hope, any credibility at all is the faith that you have behind it. Because you have faith, then you can hope. Faith is the thing that gives substance to what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. I like to tell people it this way. When you were born again, you were born in your spirit, as a living spirit being. We have a living spirit in the Christian faith. And faith is one of those senses... It's like a sixth sense. We have five senses, vision, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing. Well, faith is another one of those. So your faith sense is all all the more a spiritual sense. And so when you faith something, I can't see it with my eyes, but I can faith it with my spiritual eyes. I can see it before it's getting here. You know, Abraham, he looked and saw a city not made with human hands. Abraham faithed a city. He saw heaven. He saw God's city before a long time before it ever got here. Did he not? Abraham had a lot of faith at the end, a friend of God, and he used his faith to see things we can't see. Do you ever pray for things in faith? I hope so. And you haven't seen it yet. Have you ever laid hold of it in your faith? Have you ever laid hold of it before it happened? Have you ever had that happen in your lives? You laid hold of the promises of God. And you claimed it. Now I'm not talking naming and claiming and manipulating God. God is sovereign. But have you ever took Him at His word? And laid a hold of something with your faith? Just like you already had it. I love it in the Bible when God talks about... Things he has done in the past tense that haven't happened yet, but he talks about them in the past tense as if they've already happened. Why does he do that? That's so confusing in English class, all these tenses. And here he is adding to the problem. Why does he do that? It hadn't happened yet, but he said it's already happened. Because he sees everything. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end of all time like you look at a painting. And he can see all of it because he's beyond time, he he created time. And so when he talks about being able to see something as if it's already done, he knows it's been done. Now we may not have reached it on our human timeline yet, but God said it happened. I love that when he does that. <laughs> the evidence of things not seen. What about not just the writer of Hebrews? What about the Apostle Paul? He told the church at Corinth in his second letter. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Because if you're trying to walk a spiritual walk with a physical sense, there's a disconnect there. It can only take you so far. You have to walk a spiritual walk with a spiritual sense. Because God said, without faith, he said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You have to walk your spiritual walk with a spiritual sense, and faith is that. We have to walk in our faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Paul was talking about this with the Corinthians when he was telling them in the context of, of chapter 2, about being well-pleasing to God. If we want to please God, we need to walk by faith. There's a question for the group. Can our faith grow? Can our faith grow? I believe it does. Sisters were nodding their head, yes, it can grow. Do we think that faith can grow? Absolutely. I believe faith can grow. I believe the Bible teaches faith can grow. You see, there's all different levels of faith. Do you remember when Jesus was in the boat and he was so tired? It's Matthew chapter 8. And he he went to sleep and the storm came. Did we all remember that? Good Baptist people, we all remember that story. He went to sleep. What happened to the disciples? The storm was terrible and they got scared. And they got afraid. And what did they decide they would do? Wake Jesus up. Let's wake Jesus up. And what did he do when he woke up? I love this. I love this about him. Now, I'm not saying Jesus was grumpy because he, was never, he never sinned. He lived a sinless life. But he came as close to grumpy as anything I ever read in the Bible. He wasn't grumpy. But he had just been woke up by a bunch of idiots. And he was dog tired. Have you ever been that way? Have you ever been really, really tired and just get to sleep and something happens and wakes you up? Were you your best Christian self at that moment? Thank goodness Jesus is God and he's sinless because he might have just nuked all of them right there. Where would we be? What did he say to them? What did he say to them? Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Now, if Jesus had lived in Piedmont, y'all won't have any faith. This is the most pitiful, faithful people I know. You have so little faith. But then he did what? He rebuked the storm. I love that word, rebuke. It's the same word that you use when he speaks to demons. He rebuked the storm. And it was calm. And if you read later in chapter 8 in Matthew, you'll find out that they were more afraid after that of what was in the boat with them than what was outside the boat before. That was was what happened. But he told them they had little faith. And this is wonderful because earlier in the chapter, in chapter 8, he had met this Gentile guy, a Roman centurion. And you know what he said about him? He said he had not seen such great faith, no, not in all of Israel as this centurion had. Because he said, no, Jesus, this is paraphrasing. He said, you don't have to go with me to heal. He said, I'm a man under authority, and I have people under me, and I understand authority, and I know you've got authority. So all you have to do is speak the words. I'm good. That's what he said. And Jesus was amazed. Now... I looked that up and there's two times in the Bible that Jesus was amazed. Which I find amazing that Jesus was amazed. Because we all agree He's the second person of the Trinity and He knows everything before it ever happened and He holds everything together by the power of His will. We all agree on this, yes? And yet, He was amazed. A wonderful thing. But He was amazed at the man's great faith. He was aggravated in a righteous, holy kind of way with his disciples and their little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. That's as close as he came to a put down. Oh, ye of little faith. But he was amazed at the Gentile centurion and his faith. So, yes, there's different levels of faith. And yes, our faith can grow. So what I want to talk about tonight is is, is, uh, how we grow our faith, how we do these things, Let me say this. Faith, your faith, my faith, is only as good as the object to which it's attached. I'm going to explain that. All these people back in Bible times had faith in these inanimate stone objects. These Romans were worshipping all these gods. They had Zeus, I guess, and Mercury, and Apollos, and all of these Greek gods that the Romans had morphed into their own gods. and They were worshiping them, and they'd have these little statues that they would carry around with them. And they had a lot of faith. Some of these people had great faith in an inanimate, dead piece of stone. Does the amount of faith you have have any bearing on your success with your faith? No. No. Now, you have to have some faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because you have to believe that He is before you even approach Him. Here's a story for you I read about a guy a few years ago who was going to go across the Pacific in a two man sailboat. Now, he was going to launch out of somewhere like San Diego. I don't remember the details. But he was going to go across. It was a good part of the year. It wasn't hurricane season. He was going to go across the Pacific. He'd planned it all out. And he was going to go across the whole Pacific in a two-man sailboat. There was a problem. He couldn't find anybody to go with him. He could not find anyone to go with him. How many of you have heard of the QE2, the Queen Elizabeth II? One of the largest ocean liners on the planet. Big cruise ship. Would any of us have a problem getting on the QE2? Some of us might be afraid of water. Some of us might not swim that well. Would anyone have a problem? Don't raise your hand. Would you have a problem getting on the QE2? It's a big ship. And it doesn't take a lot of faith, folks, to get on a big ship. But it takes tons of faith to get in that boat with that crazy guy going across the Pacific on a sailboat. Jesus said this. He said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard, like a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and say, be moved from your spot and the mountain will be moved. Now Jesus said that. I've not tried to move any mountains lately, but I believe Him. But the greater point is, and I want you to hear this, it doesn't take a lot of faith in an awesome, huge, big infinite, eternal God. It's like enough faith to get on the gangplank and cross over to the QE2. And the boat does the rest of it for you. You just have enough faith to get on. You can faith that dead idol and that plastic credit card all you want to faith it. But that's a dead thing and it's not God. And it won't get you through. It doesn't take much faith in the right thing to succeed. Do you get that? If you want to grow your faith, recognize what you're putting your faith in, and it doesn't take a lot. Now I'm thankful that we can grow, and our faith can grow. But when we're getting saved, when we're being saved, who gives us the faith we need to even ask to be saved? He's the one that puts it in our heart. He's the one that even lets us know that we're desperately wicked and there's no way we can get there apart from Him. He's the one that brings the conviction. He's the one that brings the plan. And He's the one that gives you the strength to even ask Him. It's all from Him. It's all of Him. And it's all to Him. All that glory. So He gives us the faith to be saved. It doesn't take a lot of faith to ask our awesome God to be saved. Now, as we grow in our Christian walk, it's a good thing if our faith grows. We don't want to stay babies in Christ. We don't want to stay little babies in the Lord. We want to grow in our faith. I was talking this morning in BSF about this. When you're born as a human, how long is it before you're an adult? I mean, barring some kind of horrible disease or problem affliction, how long is it before you're an adult? Well, I've got a 27-year-old. I think she's still on my cell phone plan. I'm waiting for her to be an adult. The 25-year-old is doing a little better, Lou. And 21, we're waiting to see how that works out too. But I've got a lot of hope that the adult's going to set in at any point here. I really do. What about in the Spirit? When you're born in the Spirit... And you are born again. You're born as a spiritual little baby. How long can you stay a spiritual little baby? till you die. There may be people that are 85 years old in their human body. But a brand new baby in the Lord. There may be people that were saved when they were 14. But they never grew. And they're still very childish and babies in the Lord. Your spiritual timeline for your progression has no bearing on your, on your physical timeline. There are old people that are very young and childish in the Spirit. There are young people that are very wise and mature in the Spirit. This first passage I read to you in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It's a great place to start because it talks about being rooted and letting your roots grow deep. Let's think about the roots of a tree as we meditate and as we think about that. Let's let's compare our faith to the roots in a tree. Are the roots of a tree seen or unseen? Most of the time, unless it's sort of like one of these river birches that mess up my yard, they're unseen. They're unseen. They're unseen. They are under the surface. They go down and they're not seen. What do roots do for a tree? They provide nourishment. Thank you. They provide nourishment. They sustain the tree. They bring the water up for the tree. They provide stability for the tree. They provide strength for the tree. And they provide security for the tree. Strength. Stability, security. They seek out the water and gather nutrients. What about this? They can provide regeneration. Has anybody ever had a tree that would put up shoots from the roots and you'd have a hard time keeping those little shoots beat down if you're landscaping? Those green shoots will come up. I know, I know sweet gums will do that. One of my favorite trees is a sweet gum. What about consistent fruit? A good root system ensures consistent fruit, right? I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to stop listening to this now and start start listening to the Word. Let me read to you a couple of things. Psalms 128. If you want to go with me, you can follow along. We're going to move around just a little. I have three, maybe four passages I want to share as we explore faith. In Psalms 128, the first four verses are really good when you start looking at trees. Psalm 28, starting in verse 1, it says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. What a blessing. Your wife, a fruitful vine, in the very heart of your house. Your children, like olive plants, all around the table. Thus, behold, shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So I love that. I love that about the fruitful vine, the wife being the fruitful vine, because if you're fruitful as a vine, you're plugged in. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you're plugged in, you can bear much fruit. The Bible's basically saying here... You're blessed if you fear the Lord your wife is a plugged-in vine right in the middle of your home, blessing everybody around you. How cool is that? And it says your children shall be like olive plants all around your table. So here's how an olive tree grows. Anybody got an olive tree? Tea olive? A friend of mine blessed me with a tea olive one time. I threw rocks through the window of his house about seven years later. That thing will put up those shoots I talked about. I had it in a landscape bed. I had little recurring, what do they call those, uh, encores all around it. I had spent money on this little area in my yard. It was going to be a pretty area. But the tea olive had different plans. These little olive shoots started coming up from the root system. I'm not talking about one or two, dozens every year. If I didn't get out there and just wage jihad on the olive tree it would have took over the whole space I finally cut the sucker down and drug, dug the roots up but olive trees all around the table little olive shoots green and full of energy and just popping up from roots of the main tree you know where the little olive trees came from daddy blessed is the man whose little olive trees just shoot up from him all around the table. Now that's cool. Roots provide regeneration. Roots are good. Let's read some more. I guess Dave, tonight you'll remember this is the root, pre- the root preaching, the root message. You always name them. Let's go to Jeremiah. After Psalms, let's go over to the prophets. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. I love this one. If you're taking your notes. Jeremiah 17... 7 and 8. Okay. Here's Jeremiah. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he should be like a tree. Do you see that? He should be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit how about that I told you that a root system can bring security it says here he won't be anxious when he won't fear and nor he will he be anxious he won't fear when the heat comes what about us When the heat comes and judgment comes and we pass through the fire and everything that we made of wood and hay and stubble burns away. But yet we pass through as if escaping from a burning house. Or maybe there's silver and gold and precious stones that go with us because of the things that we did in the Spirit. But we're not anxious when the heat comes. Isn't that cool? It gives security. Your faith as a root system will help you not fear when the day of drought comes. It doesn't say that there won't be a day of drought. I don't teach an easy Christianity. I teach you that when the day of drought comes, if your roots have gone down deep and they're plugged into the river, I wonder what that river would be in this analogy. I, just, I don't even know. Plugged into the river... That you won't be afraid when the drought comes. Now, Is that cool? Jim, you like that? I like that. I've got one more. I think I saved the best one for last. Let's go to the Psalms. 92. Psalm 92. 12 to 15. Psalm 92. Verses 12 to 15. It says here, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Look at this. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in Him. So these trees are fresh and flourishing. They're still bearing fruit in old age, Stone. What a blessing. I would have expected an amen out of you by now. I mean, they're still there. Like a palm tree, a wonderful meditation would be to study how a palm tree is rooted. I read about the cedars of Lebanon. Do you know the cedars in Lebanon would send down a taproot that could almost be as tall as the cedar was high? As deep as the cedar was high? That's pretty strong. And a palm tree is just a little ball. It's just a little root ball. Anybody that's been to Myrtle Beach and seen them propped up on the side of the hut knows what that is. It's just a little root ball. But it doesn't have to grow deep. Most of these palms are in the sand. And all it has to do is catch a lot of water when it comes. And so it's like a big sponge. It's it's set up like a sponge and it holds that water. Do we hold on to the water that we have in us? Hmm? How long does it take the water to run out? Because we're all broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is that not so? God loves to put water in broken pots. In fact, I would tell you that until you've been broken, He really can't use you. He loves the brokenness because He doesn't get any glory out of a pot that can hold its own water. But He loves to put water in broken vessels. Just remember that. All right, George, you've said a lot of things. Where's this going? Let's close up with application about some things we can do to help our faith. The number one thing that I have down here, and I have three, is to feed your faith. To feed your faith. You've heard the old Indian saying about the guy who was confident and the guy who was fearful, and the, and the, the fearful guy came to the confident Indian and he said, How can I be more confident? And the Indian said, There's two wolves inside of you. The one that lives is the one you feed. <laughs> feed the right wolf. Feed your faith. Feed your faith. Well, George, that's great. How do I feed my faith? What do we do to feed our faith? Romans 10, 17 says, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Folks, we want to feed our faith. Let me tell you how you feed your faith. You read your Bible. You want to feed your faith, Billy, read your Bible. Because you're going to see the Word of God come to you over and over. It's going to renew your mind, it's going to reform your thoughts, it's going to reshape your actions. If you want to grow in your faith, be consistent in reading. That's so simple. Yeah, it's simple. He made it that way because he knew we're like sheep, he had to make it simple. This is not complicated. It's just we're always such damaged vessels and so living in our faith and so focused on the world that we don't do the things that we're supposed to do. If you want to grow your faith, read your word. Second one. Exercise your faith. You know, this sounds like, what is it, a school health program. Eat right. Get plenty of... Exercise, exercise your faith. How do you exercise your faith? How do you do faith push-ups? How do you do faith push-ups? Any takers on that? (laughs) Sometimes I pray for faith. And Dave, I'm so sorry that I do usually because he almost always answers those. Thus also, James chapter 2. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You want to grow your faith? Do the works. Now, you can't work yourself to heaven. But faith without works is dead faith. Can this kind of faith save you? No, it won't. If you want to grow your faith, work. Be obedient. Do what the Bible says. If the Bible says, don't lie... The next time you're faced with an opportunity to tell a little white lie, don't do it. Take the consequences and not the shortcut and live in faith. You know what faith is? One definition is life without scheming. Life without scheming. Just a straightforward life. I don't have to plan and stress and fret. I don't have to come down out of the hills of Judah and kill Nabal. God took care of Nabal. God's big enough. He fights those battles. You don't have to stress over that. But you do need to do what the Bible says. Once you've been feeding and reading, then you need to start obeying and growing. The last one I have tonight, and we'll close up after this. Feed your faith. Exercise your faith. Here's a good one. Share your faith. If it's not worth giving away. It's not worth having. We must not think a lot of our faith. Because we don't share it very much. You want to see real blessings come into your life. Start sharing your faith. You want to see a target put on your back. From the devil. Start sharing your faith. I read this on a. Facebook, a candle is not made less bright by lighting another candle. Isn't that cool? It doesn't diminish us to share our faith. We're setting another candle on fire, and the light is driving out the darkness. Philemon, little Philemon, I would say chapter 1, verse 6, but there are no chapters. It's just Philemon, verse 6. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That the sharing of your faith may become effective. You want to grow your faith and make your faith effective? Share your faith. And it says here, the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you. So all the good things in you in Christ Jesus that He put there, that He gifted you with, will acknowledge that sharing. Are you good at teaching? Share your faith. Your teaching will become better. Are you good at at acts of service? Share your faith. You'll have a greater heart to serve. Are you good at, at, um, at preaching? Share your faith. Sharing your faith is the antioxidant if we talk about, it's like take your vitamins. I told you to feed, eat, your, eat food, eat, good, eat the right food, feed your faith, to exercise your faith, and take your vitamins. Take your vitamins. Because the antioxidant here is the witnessing and the sharing of our faith, which grows our faith. There's, I've read all kinds of stuff. There's seven steps to faith. There's ten. Let's take three and use them and make it work. And leave this place... Knowing those things. And we won't be able to keep the people out of here. It'll be so full we won't be able to stand it. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you that you gave us examples of trees. Things we can touch and see and study and understand to help us understand faith, which is hard. I know, Lord, that we can take a little faith and put it in a mighty God. And little as much when God is in it. You took a couple of fish and some loaves and fed all those people. You can certainly take my little faith, Lord, and take this message home in the spirits of those who heard it tonight. Would you do that? Would you bless us, Lord, with conviction and then courage? Would you change our faith and make it strong so that one day you can be amazed at our great faith? In Jesus' name, amen.